In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know why, but for some reason this week, the word maintenance has been on my mind. And I can't figure it out. It's just one of those Holy Spirit things, I guess. The word kind of has a, a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? If we're performing maintenance, then something must be broken, right? But I don't think that's the actual spirit of the word. To maintain something really doesn't give any indication of whether something is broken or not. Rather, when we are maintaining something, we are giving it proper care and attention so that it can last. Maintenance is about giving something care, about giving something love. I don't often think such high and lofty thoughts when my scheduled car maintenance comes due. But the truth of the matter is that I desperately want my car to be maintained as best as possible. I don't necessarily love my car, but I do appreciate all that my car allows me to do. And I am aware that my car is indeed a blessing, a blessing that I need to maintain. This community knows a lot about maintenance. The past years of building construction have shown just how much we care about this building here. Not necessarily because we particularly love this building, although I dare say we do, but we especially love how this building allows us to live into our God-given mission in a way that only this building allows us to do. Only this spot in Norfolk. Only this community of people gathered. Part of our identity as Christians living out our faith in Hampton Roads is tied up in this building. So the maintenance of this space is a particularly good practice in maintenance. It's a maintenance of our unique expression of faith. And so this weekend, maintenance is on full display. We are now in what Father Noah has lovingly referred to as scaffold tide. The important work to maintain our wonderful Deum window above the high altar has begun and will continue now, at least with the scaffolding here, for the next month. Similarly, the Episcopal Diocese of Southern Virginia met this weekend in Williamsburg for our annual diocesan council. This yearly convention is where we give time and attention to the matters that affect the whole of our church, the whole of our diocese. This yearly maintenance is vital to our life together, and so many thanks to the delegates who attended on Christ and St. Luke's behalf. So it's fitting then that we have readings presented to us uh, on this maintenance-themed weekend and also the last weekend of Epiphany that speak to us about God's sustaining presence in our lives as well as the revelation of God's goodness. 
And so we have the narrative of Elijah and Elisha and the Transfiguration. Our reading from 2 Kings today tells the story of Elisha taking on the mantle, that is, the work and the power of Elijah. Going back to 1 Kings for a moment, we remember that Elijah calls Elisha to follow him in his prophetic ministry. And Elisha drops his entire life, one that we can infer from the text is a relatively wealthy and comfortable one. And he follows Elijah. And the biblical narrative makes no mention of Elisha again until this moment in 2 Kings. The two prophets travel together through Israel, and Elijah tests his apprentice, asking him multiple times to leave his side. They travel in a nonsensical path, at least based on geography, essentially arriving not far from where they started. Perhaps because Elisha is just incredibly faithful, or maybe he can't take a hint, he arrives across the Jordan with his teacher. Here, Elisha asks for a double share of Elijah's spirit to continue on in his work. Elijah gives a cryptic answer saying that if Elisha can see him as he is taken up, his request will be granted. And so as Elijah is taken up, part of the veil of the great cosmic order is seemingly pulled back. Elisha sees the great fiery horses and chariots, both symbols of the divine in ancient Israel. And they reveal to Elisha the power that lies in his newfound prophetic witness, and thus the means of maintaining God's power in the world. I'm struck by this transition, this desire of God for us to maintain the work started by those who have come before us. Elijah's work of restoring a rightful king to rule Israel isn't completed in his time on earth. It is Elisha's prophetic witness that eventually accomplishes this goal. And so when the veil is removed, we see God's power to maintain God's promises. That's particularly important to us because we are inheritors of our faith. The work that is tasked to us by God in Christ is something that we can participate in in our lifetime, but this is not work that we will necessarily complete. Our task is one of maintenance. We are to give care, attention, and love to the work of God in the world. Our gospel passage today tells of the transfiguration, another great moment where more of the fullness of God is revealed into the world, where more of the great cosmic order is made clear. Instead of Elisha, it is Peter and James and John this time who bear witness to this great revelation. Peter hears the booming words of God revealing just who Jesus is. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. It's both a revelation 
and an invitation into the holy work of maintenance. The words are so simple. Listen to him. Listen to Christ. It's the idea that Christ has given us a roadmap for how to maintain our relationship with God. A roadmap that becomes possible for us because of Jesus' restorative ministry and work. Restoration is a means of maintaining. It is a gift that is given to us freely by Christ. I can think of many teachings of Christ that would be good for us to listen to. In fact, that's the whole reason we're here, right? Our whole life of discipleship is centered around studying the teachings of Christ, centered around living in to Christ's restorative gift. One thing that I think is particularly important for us as Episcopalians is the Eucharist. Each time we gather for the Eucharist, we note that Jesus has specifically asked, has taught us to participate in this holy remembrance. A word that means both a memorial of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on our behalf, but also that through partaking in the Eucharist, we are remembered, reincorporated, restored into the body of Christ. We are made whole. We are maintained by the good grace of God. Something about the Eucharist pulls back that cosmic veil. It reveals to us just as it reveals to Elisha and Peter when they pull back the veil that the good and gracious God of the universe is deeply in love with us and will do all that is necessary to maintain us. Perhaps then it is fitting that we have a time where we are removed from our normal way of worship. Perhaps it is good for us as we enter into this penitential season of Lent this week to be thrust out of our customs. Perhaps it is good to have this metallic veil covering our high altar. For it is not the place, nor the ornamentation, nor the fancy cups, nor the stained glass that makes the Eucharist. It is us. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God. And God will maintain us. When you come to this table in just a moment, you are not merely partaking of bread and wine. You are maintaining the goodness that God has made manifest in the world. You are maintaining the goodness that God has made manifest in yourself. So on this last Sunday of Epiphany, this last Sunday of the season where we celebrate the revelation of God's goodness into the world, I invite you to ponder on the great cosmic order, the great cosmic glory that is not yet visible to us. I invite you to ponder on the stories of those who have borne witness to the revelation of God's goodness. I invite you 
to reaffirm your commitment to the study of Jesus Christ's teachings, knowing that they contain all things necessary to our continued relationship with God. And I invite you to this table. I invite you to partake of the goodness of God so that God might maintain in you the goodness instilled from the beginning of time. Amen.